Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. All right, good to see y'all. How y'all doing? Good. We made it to Revelation chapter 13. You can turn there if you have your Bibles. And last week we covered part one of who the Antichrist is and really what to look for in the coming false messiah. This week we're going to finish our study on him. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Mahdi and the Dajjal and uh, what the Muslims say is the coming of Christ in the last days. They have an eschatology kind of like ours. And we'll talk about the mark of the beast, something that we do not want to take. Amen? Amen. <laughs> uh, man, I've had a few Christians say, now, if I take the mark of the beast, if we're here, uh, God will forgive me, right? And I said, no, the minute you do that, you are damned. You know, there's that whole Walking Dead thing. You ever see that commercials for that show or whatever? Um, <clears throat> once they take the mark of the beast, their souls are instantly going to be judged, and they are the walking dead. I mean, they are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. There's no repentance for them, just like there's no repentance for Satan and his demons. They are sealed in the position that they took. All right, so the Antichrist. We know there's going to be a mark, could be an RF chip. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, again, the timeline, the Antichrist comes to power at the breaking of the first seal. War breaks out, second seal. Famine and pestilence, third seal. Death by famine, pestilence, sword, and wild animals, fourth seal. He finally gets his one world government together. And the fifth seal is Christian martyrs who will die for their faith. The abomination of desolation, the Jews rebuild their temple during this time. Um, and the Antichrist is so puffed up and arrogant, he goes into the temple, proclaims himself God, he loses power, the sixth seal, the day of the Lord, uh, the great tribulation, we're rescued out of that, and the judgment and wrath of God follows that. So that's the timeline uh, that we're looking at. So the Antichrist, the false messiah, and the Mahdi, and last week we talked a little bit about it, but we need to finish our study. Who is all of Islam looking for in their Mahdi? Last week we found out that they think he's going to be of the lineage of David. Who else is going to be of the lineage of David in the Jewish mind? Yeah, the, the Christ, the Messiah. So this false Messiah, the Jews will think, is the Messiah. The Muslims will think he's the Mahdi, and he will bring two of the greatest world religions together. And the apostate church... You know, many Christians don't believe in the rapture. Yeah. And so they will think it's the second coming of Christ, more than likely. Okay. Very interesting stuff. So uh, what else? The Mahdi, from uh, the Mahdi description on an Islamic website, his body is that of an Israelite. The reference is Alberton, and I'm not going to read all those names, page 24. <laughs> uh, the Mahdi is one of the people of Israel. His demeanor resembles theirs. It is majestic and wise. And there's the reference up there as well. Uh, the blessed Mahdi has an Israelite body. He resembles one of the greatest of the people of Israel. And that's a reference to David. Okay. The Mahdi will claim to be Messiah. In fact, uh, the Muslims call him their savior. 
the Lord, the anointed one. Well, Messiah means what in Hebrew? The anointed one. Okay, very interesting. Uh, he will say, uh, so he will say uh, Jesus was just a prophet, the one historically that we worship as Christ, not the Christ or the Son of God. Okay, 1 John chapter 2, we find the definition of Antichrist starting at verse 22. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? And this is what the Antichrist, the false Messiah, will do. He is not the Christ. I am. I'm the Savior. Okay? He who denies the Father and the Son. And uh, this is out of one of their uh, hadiths. And it says this. The most gracious has begotten a son. You say the most gracious has begotten a son. You have uttered a gross blasphemy. The heavens are about to shatter. The earth is about to tear asunder. And the mountains are about to crumble. Because they claim, speaking of the people of the book, which is us in the Quran, Christians, uh, they claim that the most gracious has begotten a son. And that's in, right out of the Quran, uh, that one. The Christians call Christ the son of Allah. This is a saying from their mouth. In this they have, uh, but imitate what the unbelievers of old used to say. All is cursed beyond them. How they are deluded away from the truth. And that's in the Quran as well. All right, so what do we know? The Quran literally fulfills what we just read in 1 John chapter 2. It is a religion of Antichrist, Islam. Okay, so Muslims are looking for three men that will come in the last days. The first is the Mahdi. The second is Jesus Christ. Well, they don't call him Christ. They just call him Esau or Yesu, which is Jesus. Um, and the third is the Dajjal. And we're going to talk about these two guys today. All right. Uh, their second sign is the coming of Jesus, not Christ. Uh, yes, they believe that Jesus is coming back. Muslims do not believe that Jesus is anything but a man, and they don't believe he died. In fact, they believe he uh, went to the cross, but they snuck him away, and he never died. And they say he could certainly not, quote, unquote, die on the cross to atone for sins. In fact, they say nobody can do that. All right, so <clears throat> would Allah want, why would Allah and their eschatology want to send Jesus back to earth? What do you think? It's all part of the lie. Yeah, part of the lie. And they say Allah is sending Jesus back to earth to correct all the Christians who misunderstood who he is. Okay. <laughs> so I want you to picture this. Just to a little more of the timeline, more than likely the next event prophetically is the Psalm 83 war. All those countries that right around Jerusalem, the two that are left are Egypt and Jordan. They still have alliances with Israel. But when that war takes place, more than likely Damascus will be destroyed. That'll draw Russia, Iran, and Turkey, and Syria into the war, parts of Syria. And, and so those are the events. Then the Antichrist will come and finally bring the pseudo-peace. This man is going to come from more than likely the European Union because he comes from the revived Roman Empire. Okay, so uh, as he comes, he will most likely be Jewish, but the Muslims will somehow think he's the Mahdi. So he will bring that peace, and it will allow Israel to rebuild their temple next to the Dome of the Rock on the Temple Mount. Okay, 
He'll bring that pseudo-peace, and all these world religions are going to follow him. All right. They say he's going to come back as the Mahdi, uh, and, oh, Jesus will come back as the Mahdi gathers his army outside of Damascus. Now, this isn't prophecy. This is just written in one of their hadiths. We know Damascus, it's the oldest perpetually populated city in the world, is going to be destroyed. It has to be wiped out from Isaiah chapter 17, verse 1. <clears throat> oh, by the way, John, who hasn't gotten a timeline yet? Most of you have. This isn't a new one, but could you give uh, them and uh, do you guys need a timeline or did you get one? We have one. You, oh, you have one? Well, give them another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I get points for the, yeah, the, the more that gets passed out, I get points. Oh, no, we're not Jehovah Witnesses. Yeah, that's just <laughs> uh, as they gather for prayer, so they say, I, note this, Jesus is going to come up to the Mahdi, and the Mahdi will recognize him as Jesus and say, hey, you pray at the time of prayer. Jesus will say, oh, no. You are more worthy than I and stand behind the Mahdi and the Mahdi will pray. We know that their coming of Jesus is our false prophet. Are you with me? And he will be the false prophet to the false Messiah, which potentially could be the Mahdi. All right. Okay, so here's who their Jesus will be. Back to our text and here's where we made it in Revelation 13 verse 11. <coughs> If you don't have your Bibles, it's up there. It says this, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. Where did the Antichrist, the first beast, the, come from? Out of the sea, as we read, and that was the sea of humanity. And this one out of the earth. Now, some people say it's out of the um, bottomless pit, the abyss. Uh, I don't think so, because this guy is going to be a man who is a religious leader. Okay, So he comes up out of the earth. It could be, too, that out of the earth mean their religion is based on human wisdom, uh, not on heavenly wisdom. Are you with me? Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. <laughs> the word worship there literally means to kiss. And the idea is it's to show reverence to someone in high authority. It doesn't mean like we worship God. Okay? It's, it's not that kind of worship. It would be like if the president came in, we would all be like, hey, man, the president of the United States, you know, let's uh, give him the respect that he deserves, which nobody does anymore. <laughs> Uh, Revelation 13, 13. He performs great signs, this false prophet, so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of uh, the signs which was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and came back to life. Remember, the Antichrist will die and be resurrected, potentially uh, possessed by a demon out of the abyss, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Verse 15, And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship, literally adore or kiss, the image of the beast to be killed. 
Isn't it interesting, uh, when uh, we were in uh, Jerusalem starting a Bible college there for uh, Calvary Chapel, every site we went to, there were lines of people with statues of saints, and they would go up and kiss the feet of these statues. Okay, and, and that's what this word adore or worship literally means. So people will really give this guy reverence, kind of like they did with Obama when he was president, and we talked about that uh, before. This is exactly what Muslims do if you don't adore Muhammad. Do you know that? Yeah, they kill you. Um, it's, it's, it's from their own lips they say this, under Sharia, those who insult Muhammad or Allah are to be executed. Okay, same thing with the beast, the false messiah. I mean, if you don't worship him, the false prophet will kill you. Okay. Well, even if you go see the Pope, he reaches out his hand and you're supposed to kiss his ring. Yes, exactly. That's that word right there. Yeah. It's get to give adoration to. Um, and there are preferred ways of beheading, and we know in Revelation uh, chapter 20 that i think chapter 20 i forgot i'm brain fading uh too much zip fizz today <laughs> but uh the christians who die on the fifth seal will die by beheading okay which is very interesting now uh who's the top candidate for the false prophet muslims are going to think he is jesus it's really interesting that the pope claims to be the vicar of christ okay now i want you to consider this word vicar is latin for replacing. So what does it mean? Replacing Christ? Yes. The letters on the Pope crown are Vicarus Philae Die, which is Latin for Vicar of the Son of God. Now, now note this. Catholicism uh, says the Pope is the Vicar of Christ. The word Vicar comes from the Latin word Vicarus, meaning substitution or in place of. Huh. Okay, so the Pope is in place of or the substitution of Christ. Okay, that's pretty radical stuff. Uh, the online version of the Pocket Catholic Dictionary by John A. Harden defines the Vicar of Christ as the Pope, visible head of the church on earth, acting for and in place of Christ. Okay, that's scary. Who's the head of the church? Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Muslims say uh, that he will be Jesus. So I want you to consider this. The Mahdi is going to come on the scene, the Antichrist. It could be the Mahdi. This is my theory. I think, I, I think it could line up, and that's how he'll bring peace to the Middle East finally. Um, and the false prophet, they believe, is Christ, who is a good candidate, but someone who's, hey, I, I am Christ on earth right now. Okay. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, that is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power, signs, and false wonders. And we just read about that in Revelation 13, speaking of the false prophet and the Antichrist. And with all deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send on them a deluding influence so they will believe what is false. And you can bet all these religions are going to believe that the false messiah and the false prophet are finally the unifying factor for the whole, uh, all the world religions. Remember, uh, when we covered Revelation chapter 6, 
uh, you can watch it online, it's still there. We saw that Hindus and Buddhists, uh, Muslims, and uh, Christians and Jews are all looking for this Messiah-type figure in the last days. All right. So, back to the Pope. In fact, many Catholic writings call the Pope the Lord Christ on earth, etc. Okay, very interesting stuff. There's some quotes uh, from 1973 where the Archbishop over the School of Bishops at the Vatican uh, literally... Uh, referred to the Pope as my Lord and God. Wow. Okay. Because he represents them. I thought the Catholics thought that the Pope was Peter. Uh, he's descended from Peter. Yeah. So he has the apostolic authority that Peter did. Mike? Fred, wasn't a vicar a normal uh, position in the Catholic Church? Too? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, last week, the, uh, what the Pope did when he signed this document uh, with the Hetty Mom on February 4, 2019. I want to go over a little bit again. Uh, the document on human fraternity and world peace and living together signed by His Holiness, Pope Francis, and the Grand Imam Al Hazar Ahmad Al Tayyib. Did I say that right? <laughs> um, so this is from the Vatican uh, website there. Pope uh, Francis shake hands with the Grand Imam El Azair. Uh, yeah, he did kiss him. Uh, I think I have that picture on there too. <laughs> Maybe not. But in the name of God, and we read this, all Catholics, East and West, all Muslims, we come together and declare this document. Okay, summary of what that says. We call upon intellectuals, philosophers, religious figures, figures, artists, media professionals, men of every culture, every part of the world to rediscover the values of peace, justice, goodness, beauty, human fraternity, coexistence in order to confirm the importance of these values as what? Anchors of salvation for all. Now I want you to consider this. The Pope joined with this Muslim and said these are the anchors of our salvation, not Jesus Christ and the cross. We have one anchor of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is scary when you think about really the implications of what he just said there. Then he went on to say this. Freedom is the right of every person. Each individual enjoys freedom of belief, thought, expression, and action. The pluralism and diversity of religions, color, sex, race, and language are willed by God in his wisdom. That is blasphemy. Yeah, there, there's, I, I, I tell you, I cannot figure why the Catholic Church has not, like in an uproar, said no. This goes against what the Catholic Church teaches. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm, that, that's just so scary. I mean, uh, U.S. Catholic officials welcome the Catholic Muslim document signed by the Pope. So uh, all the, the Catholic bishops in the United States were applauding this and saying, what a great document, how good it is. Yeah, all the religions were willed by God, and the implication is they're all good. They're all going to heaven. That is exactly what the false prophet will do. He will delude the world and have them follow the false messiah. 
Antichrist. The catechism, uh, Catholic catechism says this, number 882. I didn't know there was so many. <laughs> uh, for the Roman pontiff, by reason of his office as vicar of Christ and as pastor of the entire church, has full supreme and universal power over the whole church, a power which he can always exercise unhindered. Remember, they believe what the Pope says is equal to, if not greater than, what this says. They still believe that after all these years? Yeah. Luther and everything <laughs> right. Yeah, that's why the Lutheran Church still says that it's the only true church. And, yeah. and the uh, church being the Episcopalian here, right? Yeah. So, and it goes on to say, His Holiness, the Vicar of Christ, has the same power and authority that Christ had over the church. Whoa! The Bible says that Christ alone is head of the church. Amen. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. And he, Christ, is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. We worship one God and one mediator to God the Father, Jesus Christ. That is it. No one else. We have one high priest, Jesus Christ, Hebrews 4.14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Hebrews uh, 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot <coughs> sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was tempted in all things, just like we are, yet without sin. I love that. That God understands what we go through. He understands our heartache, our sorrow, and even our temptations. Man, he can totally empathize with all of us. Verse 16, therefore, because of that, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we might receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Man, we have direct access to God the Father through Jesus Christ. He's our one mediator, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Okay, folks, I got to tell you, it is scary when you deify a person and think that they can hear the prayers of everybody in the world like Mary saints folks they're people they're not omnipresent they're not omniscient they do not have the attributes of God they cannot hear your prayers only God can amen Wow who gave himself a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time the fact is we're all priests we're a chosen race a royal priesthood first Peter chapter 2, verse 9, remember a priest represent, represented the people to God and God to the people. We have access directly to God. We represent ourselves to God and God speaks directly to us. Amen? All right. All right. So, uh, I'm skipping that. All right. So, what do we have so far? Islam, they're looking for the Mahdi. They're looking for Jesus, which will be our false prophet, and next, the Dajjal, and that's what we're going to cover next. The Bible, the Mahdi is our Antichrist, their Jesus is our false prophet, and their Dajjal is our second coming of Jesus Christ. Are actually going to call him Jesus? I believe so. <coughs> um, and, uh, or maybe they'll call him the Vicar of Jesus. <laughs> no, because they think the first Jesus was just a prophet, but, you know... Yeah, it's uh, the third person they expect to come is the Dajjal. And um, he comes after the Mahdi and after Jesus. His title is 
El Masi Ad Dejal, which means the Messiah, the deceiver. This is gonna, the, their Dejal is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay, all right. In, uh, it's written in numerous hadiths and Islamic literature, get this, he's going to come as a false miracle worker, he's going to claim to be Jesus and even claim to be God. You know they're speaking of our Jesus Christ, who did that, did miracles, all of that. And they say he will attempt to destroy Mahdi and their Jesus, our false prophet, but the Islamic Jesus, the false prophet, will conquer and kill the Dajjal. Okay. This is how the Antichrist is going to gather the world to fight Jesus Christ at Armageddon. Because they are going to tell him, hey, this guy that's coming at the battle of Armageddon, we've got to fight him and kill him because he's the Dajjal when he's actually Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Okay. So that's how they're going to get him to do that. They are going to call him the Dajjal. Now put it all together. The Bible's Antichrist is Islam's savior, Mahdi. The Bible's false prophet is Islam's Jesus. And the Bible's returning of Christ is their Antichrist or the Dajjal. It's an exact threefold reversal substitute counterfeit. It's exactly what the enemy did. Took our eschatology and twisted it around. All right. So now the mark of the beast. Um, back to our text, Revelation chapter 13, verse 16, if you're still in your Bibles, or it's up on uh, the screen. And he causes all this false prophet, the small, the great, and the rich, and the poor, and the free men, and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name and here is wisdom let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for the number is that of a man and his number is 666 now we have about two uh manuscripts that say the number is 616 did you know that so yeah it, we we have to attribute that to copyist error because we only have two manuscripts of our uh about 2000 manuscripts from antiquity copies of the bible they all agree like 99%. So there's been no changes in the Bible, all of that. But there are two manuscripts that say 616 instead of 666. 666 sounds, you know, that's the majority of the manuscripts. So I think that's what <coughs> it is. All right. At no time in history has there ever been a culture or a country where people could buy or sell simply with a mark. I want you to consider that. When John got this prophecy, He's probably thinking, how will they be able to buy or sell just because they have a mark? They don't have gold or money or whatever. It's only until recently that with Bitcoin and with chips, you can buy or sell with a chip. And the word mark is really interesting. It's a preview of the cashless society, by the way, and we're moving in that direction. The word mark literally means, uh, in Greek, scratch or etching or a stamp. Guess what chips are? Stamped and etched. <laughs> Whoa, okay. So it could be a chip. On your, oh, yeah. On your credit card, you, you're probably getting credit cards with these chips now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, think about if you just had it here, how convenient it would be. You know, also, the, is it RDF? RFID. R RFID, the size of the grain of rice. And now they have one. And I, I just a couple of days ago, a guy, well, I'll show you the thing in a minute. Could be computer chips. 
marks, etching, uh, RFIDs, uh, we have all kinds. And it sa they say this, they contain data for almost every, any commercial or non-commercial application imaginable, even beyond the simple buying and selling of goods and services. So, I mean, with these chips, you can do all kinds of things. And this just happened uh, February 25th. Uh, Reuters put this out. Uh, the creator said the new chip is the size of two grains of sand. That's small. That's small enough to go in your forehead. Two grains of sand? And note this. This guy that got this, a man volunteered in Barcelona to have the chip inserted under his skin live on stage at the trade fair in Barcelona on Monday, just February 25th. And another man who already had undergone the procedure showed off uh, that he could uh, make a payment using a smartphone and, and his chip so he can just like scan it. Also, it goes on to say he, with a smart house, he could open his front door with the chip and do all this stuff with two chips the size of two grains of sand, which would easily go in your forehead or your right hand. Wow. Okay. FDA just ruled that it has to be implanted by a surgeon. Oh, by a surgeon? Yeah. So families are pretty upset about it. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Because they probably could just invent a little, huh. All right, so with identity theft, a lot of visionaries are saying <coughs> they see a world where everyone is chipped for identification, buying, and selling. They already envision this happening and are trying to make it happen. You would not be able to log into your computer or do anything without the chip. Okay. So it, computers will probably have a little thing. Oh, that's you. Go to a website. No more login credentials. You just put your chip right by the scanner and you get into that. Oh, thank God we don't have to memorize our passwords anymore. Do you ever forget your passwords? All the time. You know, uh, my computer stores the password, so I go to a site, it automatically populates that field. But sometimes it doesn't, and I'm like, I have no idea, because I've been using the strong passwords that it automatically generates. Whew, how convenient it would be to get chipped. Every computer, cash register, and everything else will require you to confirm your identity with the implanted chip. And they see that happening. Folks, this is Revelation chapter 13 stuff. I mean, this is prophesied about way back then. We know we can't take the mark. Revelation 14, 9 through 12. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink in the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full uh, strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. If you take the mark of the beast, you are eternally damned. Mm. All right. And by the way, if you got a chip right now, that's not the mark of the beast. I want you to know that. When you take the mark of the beast, you will be pledging allegiance to the false Messiah's new one world government. Uh, you can't be tricked into taking the mark of the beast. It will be a real, I pledge allegiance to this, I'm going to receive that chip, and potentially there's going to be a cool little tattoo that goes with it so people can see, oh, you're chipped. Okay, we don't know exactly, but man, how crazy is that? Um, I don't believe so. Uh, it could be that they don't do it until you reach 
uh, a certain age, like driving age, or like when you get your license, you get chipped. It, I, I would imagine it would be something like that. So it has to be your decision. Yes, it has to be a decision that you make. Yeah, yeah. So the mark of the beast, here is wisdom. Let him calculate uh, the number of the beast for the number of 666. It could be we won't know what that actually means until the Antichrist is on the scene. Uh, but there's one speculation I'd like to go through. Um, the Western European Union had a document entitled Recommendation 666. That document actually established an office for the European Union called the High Representative. This high representative is, <clears throat> let's see, I'm skipping that. All right. All right, so this is from their website, the Assembly of the Western European Union. Those were the 10 exact nations that make up the footprint of the old Roman Empire. And we know the Antichrist has to come out of revived Rome from Daniel's prophecies. Okay. Recommendation 665 was the Western European Union associate members and the new European security architecture. Recommendation 666, the consequences of including certain functions of the Western European Union, reply to the annual report, and the, the document actually says, and by the way, the Western European Union dissolved July uh, 2011, and when they dissolved, they left one office, the high representative. Now remember in Revelation it says 10 kings without a kingdom will give their power and authority to the beast, the Antichrist. Okay, that's what these 10 nations in the Western European did. They gave all their authority to the Western, or to the high representative. So recommendation 666, here it is. And this is from the Western European Union before it dissolved uh, in 2011. Um, oh yeah. In December, the Vienna European Council expressed the opinion that the Secretary General of the Council and the High Representative, that's the one that they established, for the CFCP should be appointed as soon as possible and be a personality with strong political profile. Uh, it invited the Council to prepare common strategies on Russia, Ukraine, Mediterranean region, and Western Balkans on the understanding that the first would be on Russia, welcoming the new Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so that's how he was established, document 666. So could that be that this person is actually going to be the Antichrist, the high representative of the Western European Union, and his authority was given to him by recommendation 666? It could be. We don't know. But it is some, somewhat kind of fun to think about. Yeah. Uh, they went on to say um, in... You can get a copy of this if you want it. The high representative is to preside over the PSC and civilian crisis management machinery and give him powers to convene the Council of the European Union in the event of an emergency and enact treaties for peace in world trouble areas. And one of their focused areas is the Middle East. And we know the false messiah will enact a covenant with many for seven years, that last seven years. So it could be him. All right. So, timeline again, the end time curtain opened in 1917. What happened then? Britain called Jews back to the land of Israel and uh, God said, in the last days, I'll draw my people back to the land of Israel. 50 years later, they took back Jerusalem. 
50 years later, Trump and other nations recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And 50 years are jubilee years when the land goes back to its rightful owner. Really interesting stuff. Um, the next events and, and what's occurred uh, already, people are trying to partition Israel. That's ongoing. Okay? We know that Israel will be a trembling cup for the whole world, that little nation. Rome uh, was established with the Western European Union uh, and the European Union, 1993, 2011, the Western European Union gave all their authority to that high representative. And they dissolved and became part of the European Union. Okay. Um, Gog Magog, uh, Russia, Syria, and Turkey, and Iran began to align in 2010. Now they're solidified in their alliance, which is Ezekiel 38. Uh, one world system in place. Global economy is, is really there. What happens to one nation affects the whole world. Um, we're getting there. Psalms 83 nations are in place except Egypt and Jordan. We have to watch them. And there's increased tension now. We know those are the uh, uh, states, Psalm 83 and Ezekiel 38, that will come against Israel in this last battle that will be the catalyst that brings this false messiah onto the planet. Revelation 13, which we're covering and covered right now. So let's put it all together. The Muslim Mahdi will be the Jewish Messiah and our Antichrist. Confirm a false peace in the Middle East and begin the last seven years, the 70th week of Daniel. Christians will be hated by all, Matthew 24. Jesus said, in the last days, you'll be hated by all nations on account of my name. Everything seems to be lining up for the final chapter. And folks, I don't know about you, but I have friends on uh, Facebook and if I post certain things, they attack me venomously. You know, it's crazy how uh, opposed they are to Judeo-Christian ethics and people that hold on to the word of God. So grab your popcorn. It's going to be a crazy wild ride. Changes are coming, right? What's the theme for this year for our church? Sanctification. Sanctification means what? To be washed in the blood of Christ set apart for exclusive use by and for God. We have to remember that we are Christ's ambassadors, that we are soldiers of light. We put on the armor of God and we live in enemy territory. We don't look around and say, woe is me, oh my goodness, what's gonna happen? We say, Lord, I'm gonna serve you. I am here for, to be used exclusively by and for you, for your glory, amen? In everything we do, our job, our relationships, Everything else. Life does not get better by chance. Life gets better by change. And it's a determination we all make in our heart. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm going to stand for truth in the last days. Many Christians get stuck in a rut, but today the Lord is saying, man, it's time to live for me, to really be sanctified. Amen? Our theme verse this year is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 23. And that starts in verse 13, prepare your minds for action. And in these days, we need to be people of action, amen? We need to grow and not be stuck where life becomes mundane and we're just going through the motions. So many Christians have lost their joy and their peace. In fact, Jesus said in the last days, the love of many will grow cold, Matthew 24. The word love there is agape. That's unique to Christians. 
It literally is that love feast. You give so much love that the people you give it to are not wanting more. They don't need more. You've loved them so deeply and greatly. Uh, No hope, no change, all of that. So the first thing to recognize in the changes that we're going to see potentially in our lifetime, we could see these events. We could see the false Messiah come on the scene. God never changes. Amen? On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Remember that song? On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. And that's true. Revelation 21.6, it says this. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the springs of the water of life without cost. Man, everyone's thirsty for something. We need to run to the Lord to get those uh, thirsts quenched. Amen? Not anything else. The Word of God stands forever. It can't be changed. And it is our sole source of faith and practice. Not the Pope, not a leader, not, not a pastor. This is our sole source of faith and practice. Amen? This morning, Christ is knocking at the door of our hearts. You know, Revelation in chapter 3 to the church of Laodicea, Jesus said, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. He wants that intimacy with us. Amen? Man, Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Man, I need that. You know, I know this is a simple way to end a a discussion on the Antichrist, but I don't want to dwell on the negative. I want to dwell on the positive. He is our strength. He is our refuge. He is the one that sees us through whatever trial we face. And another letter to the seven churches, man, he who believes in me, I'm going to give him that hidden manna. He's going to take care of our needs. And those promises, if we're here during this time that we just talked about, are still valid. Amen? Today's the day to get right, Acts 3.19. Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I love that. And Micah 7.18 and 19. Who is a, a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in un changing love that's the god we serve you haven't failed him too much he will again have compassion on us he will tread our iniquities underfoot yes you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea and he did that through christ on the cross amen the sea of forgetfulness he doesn't even remember our sins think about that whoa no matter how you failed god he loves you jan zephaniah three seventeen. <laughs> The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will quiet you in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing and with shouts of joy. What an awesome thing that God loves us so much. Amen? All right. We're living in the last days. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, John kind of gave us a warning. 
Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know it is the last hour. Those many Antichrists are all those that deny that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We read that, right? Okay. Not only do Muslims do it, but Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, a whole bunch of people, they are all in the spirit of Antichrist. But the Antichrist is coming. And the inferred uh, reference in this verse is that, and you're going to see him. That's why he said, it. you know he's coming. You've heard he's coming. Get ready to endure to the end. So in the last days, we need to do what our money tells us to do. <laughs> in God we trust. Amen. I love using money to witness to people. If you ever, you know, give a tip to a waitress and you want to, you know, how can I witness to her? Say, isn't it great, even on the tip I'm giving you, in God we trust. Do you trust him? He loves you. How can I pray for you? Man, we can use it as a witnessing tool. We serve a great and awesome and mighty God, right? Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love your word, I love the way it comforts me, strengthens and restores my soul, satisfies my need.